0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Daniel Gallen. joining us live from Michigan Stadium in Ann Arbor, where Penn State came out of the bye week and ran into a buzzsaw. 41-17 defeat for the Nittany Lions, their first loss since the Outback Bowl last January. They dropped a 5-1 and one on the season. This result, since Michigan surging into its bye week at 7-0, the defending Big Ten champions certainly looked the part in which we talked about a big test for both these teams based on the early sample size, almost the full first half of the season. And boy, Daniel, did Penn State fail its test and in a spectacular way um, on, on Saturday. Not only was it uh, a difficult loss uh, and one that's really hard to find silver linings from against the team that you want to measure yourself against and you want to surpass. But it was a lot of those old issues that we were discussing this week, the struggles out of the bye week. the team fell down 13, nothing. They ended up giving up the final 25 points of this game as well. Uh, but the struggles were there. Um, Both coordinators have a lot to answer for uh, and a lot to discuss with their players coming out of this. It's the second consecutive year in which Penn State gives up 350-plus rushing yards on the ground coming out of the bye week. It was Illinois last year, this time 418 yards on the ground for Michigan, Donovan Edwards. <laughs> Donovan Edwards adds to the party. We spent so much time talking about uh, Michigan's starting running back that we barely mentioned Donovan Edwards this week. Um, and, and he joins, uh, he, jo- he joins in the the act with Corum, uh, Blake Corum, and him both go for one sixty plus, both score a couple of touchdowns. Um, we got a lot to get into here, Daniel. But let's just start with the fact that you are you know, speaking with the players after this one, you were right there with James Franklin after the matchup in Michigan stadium. I asked you to paint the picture for us coming out of the game at Auburn and what you saw on the road, then different circumstance here, but I'm going to challenge you again. What kind of a program is coming back to state college after what we witnessed occur on Saturday?
1: I think the program that's coming back to state college is one that's going to be doing a little bit of soul searching. Um, You know, I guess you could say that they, they've been humbled a little bit, but I never really got the sense coming into this game that this was a, a team that needed a comeuppance or, or one that needed to be humbled. I felt that they were in a in a pretty good spot um, with where they were, but it's definitely a team that has a lot to think about, um, a lot to try to unpack from this game, um, a lot of questions that it needs to answer. Uh, I'll start with James Franklin uh, in his post game presser. It he just felt very defeated. Um, I think that there were times last year after losses. I think about the the Iowa game, uh, the Michigan State game, maybe even maybe even the Ohio State game, where you come into the pre- the losing press conference and James Franklin it has kind of a like an, an energy to him. Kind of a he's a little twitchy. He's not necessarily jumpy, but you can tell that he's just really you know he's hung up on something. He's really steamed about something that like. that there's a fuse going um, because, you know, that's how he handles these losses. But today he felt a little bit more defeated than I feel like I've I've seen him after a loss in my really short time um, on this beat. He seemed kind of like, you know, that he was trying to figure out what happened. Um, And he said he was surprised they didn't play that well, that he was surprised that the game went this way. Um, I think a lot of us were. Um, I think that you would hope that the coach has kind of a, a better pulse on the team um, to end up in that way. But, you know, he seems like he was trying to figure out what happened, what went wrong. And um, then the players, I think PJ Mustafer summed it up maybe the best. I mean, he said that it's embarrassing, um, that he felt really embarrassed when you give up uh, 400 yards uh, on the ground. Um, that's kind of how it is. Um, you know, he said that they were completely dominated, um, you know, and, and that never feels good. So I think that Mustafer really summed it up um, you know he is very you know, he's very thoughtful very very good with us uh, on the media, but you know you could tell that you know he you know, he said he that he doesn't want to get over this right away that he's definitely gonna sit with this one tonight, then come in tomorrow, but he said that it's one that um let me see that that they need to that he needs to sit on for a while um that that's how he kind of worded it so it'll be interesting. There's, there's a lot to clean up on both sides of the ball. Uh, It's hard to know. I think I know where we can start. Um, but yeah, I think that it's a team that is definitely a little bit defeated. Um, it's a team that is going to need to figure out how it can bounce back. And it's a team that needs, that is going to have to, you know, get a handle on how this one loss doesn't turn into a situation like we had last year coming out uh, of that Iowa game where one loss. uh, you're 5-1, and one, suddenly you finish the season 7-5. and five. James Franklin used the
0: phrase, they controlled the line of scrimmage and they controlled the game. Certainly not something you want to hear from the head coach of the <laughs> Nittany Lions who had two weeks to game plan with his staff. Um, and by the way, I, I, I left my uh, little note on the offense uh, and their repeat performance out of the bye week. I mentioned the defense and back-to-back years giving up just a ton of, Uh, just a remarkable number uh, of rushing yards and back-to-back years off a bye week. How about for the second consecutive year, offensive coordinator Mike Yurcich, his group musters one total touchdown off the bye week. That's back-to-back years. That's a bad trend. doesn't matter who you're playing. You're not going to win many football games producing those kind of points. And we can start in a lot of places, as you just said here. But I think one thing that James Franklin really made clear over the course of his post-game press conference Um, which did have a defeated tone to it, Um, it was the fact that they were manhandled in the trenches really over the course of this game from the start to the finish. I think before they were able able to get the ball in the hands of Mitchell Tinsley, Brenton Strange, or Catron Allen, Michigan had already had three scoring drives. The time of possession was ridiculously swung towards the Wolverines from the get-go. So were the total yards. Uh, Penn State at halftime had more touchdowns, two of them, than they did first downs. Um, Curtis Jacobs had a 47-yard touchdown run, uh, a a 47-yard touchdown uh, off of an interception, which was a wild play, a couple deflections. uh, The the ball ends up in his hands. Penn State has the lead all of a sudden, Daniel. And at that point, 14-13, you're like, well, Penn State really has no right to be uh, feeling good about themselves. They're ahead on the scoreboard. Uh, But it turned out to be fool's gold. And, And a big part of the reason it did was because they could not stop this Michigan rush attack and they could not keep the Michigan offense off the field. Only one Penn State possession on this afternoon, Daniel, lasted for two and a half minutes or longer.
1: Yeah, you just look at what, uh, like what Michigan was able to do um, as an offense. Um, you look at their, at their drive chart, uh, no punts, uh, one interception, which was maybe the, the flukiest play we're going to see all year, um, and then the end of the game. So that's field goal, field goal, touchdown, interception, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown. I mean, that is not uh, the recipe that you want. And it felt like Penn State, the defense, had been good at getting teams off the field. Um, you know, even when they were allowing run, allowing yards, you know, they'd get the field goal, they'd get a turnover, they'd get a play to maybe push someone out of field goal range, force a punt. Um, they really weren't able to do that. Uh, today. And it was really glaring. I mean, Michigan was 11 of 17 on third downs. Um, it seemed like every time that there was uh, an opportunity for Penn state, they just couldn't take advantage. And it just goes to the, that running game. Um, we talked about it where we felt like that the depth of the offensive line or the defensive line was in a really good spot um, because that Illinois game last year, it was okay. That's the first game without PJ Mustafer. Um, Kaziah Izard was a redshirt freshman. Devon Ali's was getting his his first real playing time. Um, and so you thought this year, Mustafer back, the rest of those guys uh, a year older, Hakeem Beeman back, Zane Durant in the rotation, even Jordan Vandenberg being a playable uh, option on the interior. He thought that they would be able to, to handle something like that. And they just really weren't. Um, you looked at the, at the tackle totals. Uh, I think Jair Brown had nine tackles, maybe five minutes into the second quarter or so. And that's because... There was the uh, Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards were just so easily able to get to the second level into the secondary. Uh, The Penn State linebackers uh, felt um, pretty absent. Um, That defensive line got pushed around. It was just uh, a really, you know, really dismal performance uh, from that front. Um, They were just able to be run all over uh, pretty much at will. Um, And yeah, it was just it, it, you look at it and you look at the numbers, like 16 for 173, two touchdowns for Donovan Edwards, 28 for 166, two touchdowns for Blake Corum. Um, it did feel like at times that they that they did make Blake Corum work for it, but at the same time, he's the type of running back where even if you're making him work for it, he's good enough that he's still going to get four or five yards, um, five, four or five yards of pop. He's going to keep the pile moving. He's going to fall forward. Um, it's just really, really tough. Um, I was just very surprised that Penn State – Came out like they did with two weeks to game plan. James Franklin said they started this preparation early, um, that they had that practice that Thursday practice, um, and it just didn't show up uh, today on on either side of the ball. Well,
0: I'm looking through this. Michigan had nine penalties today. Um, they had the only turnover of this game. But it didn't really matter because of the way they were able to control things up front. And, and look, we, we talked about the time of possession. That ended up being uh, nearly 42 minutes of time of possession today for, for, for Michigan versus 18 minutes uh, for Penn State. 563 total yards for Michigan versus 268 total yards for Penn State. And I think the really notable event that took place over the course of this afternoon, because so much of the conversation was about one old quarterback in Sean Clifford, And this one rising quarterback that people wanted to see how he would handle this kind of a stage in J.J. McCarthy. And ultimately, McCarthy was 17 of 24, 145 yards, one interception that was returned for the touchdown. Uh, Very pedestrian day for him as a a passer. Um, He did some things with his legs. We saw that, bought himself some time. He ended up with almost 60 yards uh, scrambling over the course of this game. But J.J. McCarthy didn't have to carry that weight during the day, and I think that's exactly if Michigan was going to draw it up, Jim Harbaugh would have said, we might think the world of McCarthy and think he can win us a Big Ten championship, but on this Saturday, we don't want him to have to go beat Penn State on his own and, and, and beat the secondary on his own. And ultimately, because of what they were able to do with Edwards, with Corum, with that front, not only were they, did they keep the pressure off him, but they just kept Penn State on their heels. It didn't matter who, thro- who Penn State was throwing out there. In fact, I thought one of the better-looking defenders over the course of this day was a freshman who's still very new to Big Ten football in Abdul Carter. And, and Micah Parsons was out there tweeting that he felt like number 11 should have been more involved on the field today. So uh, not surprising to hear from a former number 11, <laughs> but uh, certainly a guy who stood out on a day where not much stood out defensively for Penn State and, and Manny Diaz. Um, is a guy that that really through five games was living a charmed life here at Penn State. The takeaways were starting to pile up. Guys were having a lot of fun. Um, there were some offense inconsistencies that we really pointed to, especially toward the tail end of September, early October. But we went through this bye week, and you know there weren't a lot of uh, doubts cast on Manny Diaz and the defensive group. And all of a sudden, you kind of blow up that conversation because Minnesota's coming into town. They look like they might not have Tanner Morgan now moving forward. not really sure what's going to happen there, Um, but there's just no room. There's nowhere to hide right now. You've got six Big Ten games in six Saturdays, and in a matchup like this, you can't hang your hat on anything um, and say, well, we lost because of this. We were in a position to win, but this happened. You were exploited. You were exposed, and now the way that they react to this thing internally, starting with getting on that plane and coming back here east to State College – coming back into that facility and having to do the painstaking and and what's going to be really embarrassing for a lot of people, including the coaching staff working their way through that film tomorrow. Um, If they weren't humbled yet in the season, they will be tomorrow. And uh, there's a difference though, between getting beaten down and getting humbled and it's a fine line and Penn State's got to navigate that starting with their head coach.
1: Definitely. I think we kind of talked about, all right, we're going to learn a lot about both of these teams coming out uh, of this game. And now, with Penn state, we're going to learn even more um, based on how they can respond from this. Um, you know, what that leadership looks like, what adjustments are made, how they do things differently. Um, to go back to JJ McCarthy, I was pretty impressed with him as a passer today. You can kind of see why he's a five-star, um, even though it was a relatively pedestrian day for him. Um, he threw one ball to Ronnie Bell uh, on the sideline. That was uh, just out of bounds, but I I think Keaton Ellis was in coverage. Keaton Ellis was in, you know, was all over it. Um, He did a good job of of forcing the play to the sideline and the throw was a little bit, you know, out of bounds, but just kind of fitting the ball into the window, um, into someone's hands. uh, I was, you know, just pretty impressed by, you know, when he did need to show off his arm, when he did need to make a throw, um, you know, you could see it. But at the same time, he didn't need to do that. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I think that we kind of talked about it where, all right, uh, Michigan has this inexperienced quarterback. Um, you know, the, the schedule so far has been pretty soft. If Penn State can stop the run, uh, if they can kind of try to contain Blake Corum, um, then maybe they'll, you know, they can try to make this kid beat them. They can kind of try to force him in the mistakes uh, to generate those turnovers. Um, and he just didn't need to do it. Uh, and, and you talk about uh, Minnesota coming in next week without Tanner Morgan. On paper, that seems great. But if Mo Ibrahim uh, is running at kind of the, the same rate, if he is who you know, he has been in the past, then it might not matter who Minnesota has at quarterback. So I think how this run defense comes back um, is going to be really interesting. Uh, James Franklin had some really interesting and pointed comments um, after the game in terms of that they need, that they need to be bigger um, on the interior. He said that everybody wants to be Aaron Donald. Uh, but there's only one Aaron Donald. Um, I think that we kind of know who Penn State's undersized, uh, at least from a weight perspective, uh, defensive tackles are. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out uh, moving forward. But you know, I you kind of knew that Blake Coram was going to get his. Uh, you knew that Michigan was going to try to run the ball, um, and that you know they'll probably if you do something enough times, you can have some success at it. But I just really did not think it was going to, to look like how it did, um, you know, at the big house today.
0: Yeah. We both like took a long look at, and we said a couple times in the podcast leading up to this one, that seven point margin. We weren't the only <laughs> ones to say it. Um, it seemed high. It didn't seem right. Apparently it was far too low uh, based on the way this matchup played out. James Franklin falls to three and six uh, coming out of the bye week It doesn't really matter who the coordinator's been. There has been an issue getting out of the bye week and picking up a W um, of course, coming out of the bye week and going on the road to play a top five opponent. Not every matchup out of the bye is created equally, but that plays into this as well. Cause the other trend that's very easy uh, to identify. Um, if you want to poke holes through James Franklin's career at Penn, Penn state is you got to go all the way back to that big 10 championship game in 2016 in Indianapolis when Penn state rallied to beat Wisconsin. That's the last example of when the Nittany lions defeated a program ranked inside the top 10, of the AP top 25 poll. Um, that's now 10 straight losses against teams like that. It's hard to pick up wins against programs like that, but it's now been what four years since the Great Two Elite speech. I think we all understand uh what James Franklin has alluded to time and time again, whether it's his own contractual desires last year, whether it's desires for Penn State to be competitive in the NIL arms race to improve their facilities. Everything that he talks about, everything that he does from controlling the narrative as the head coach and CEO of this program is about catching and surpassing the limited number of teams that he feels are ahead of them. If that's the case, Daniel, I know he said all wins and losses are just that. It's a win, it's a loss, and you can't let either of them linger. He said that after the game today. This one feels like it's really going to test the metal of what this program is currently all about.
1: Definitely. I mean, the... You know, we were coming into this year, you know, Michigan finally broke through, you know, they beat Ohio state last year. They won the big 10, made the playoff. I think a lot of us were expecting them to maybe take a step back, um, based on what they lost on the lines, um, those two pass rushers. Um, and it felt like that Penn state had a bit of an opportunity this year, um, to, to leap up, especially with Michigan state struggling early. It seemed like, okay, you know, instead of three teams potentially being in there running for those top, you know, two spots, maybe, maybe Penn State is, is in there now. And I think that we kind of saw that, like they have in the past, they kind of keep bumping up against the ceiling uh, that's in the Big Ten East. Um, because if you, if you want to make a path to Indianapolis, you have to beat Michigan, uh, you have to beat Ohio State, maybe a couple bounces can go your way. Um, you know, you can get a couple of breaks with the schedule here and there. But I think that it's just. I think everyone knows it too. That like, if you want to, you have to. It's that classic cliche where if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. Um, and Penn State just hasn't been able to do that um, under James Franklin these these past few years. We'll be right back on the Lions twenty four seven podcast. It's only a
0: kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure you got this adidas
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Penn
0: State. I mean, it just—it was just such a dominating performance by Michigan. Um, I mean, there was a moment there, a spark of of what four minutes of game time where Penn State all of a sudden rested control of the momentum, um, and it felt like, whoa, okay, they can overcome what's happened so far. Did they stabilize themselves? They had the early lead in the second uh, in the second half with the opening drive. Jake Penninger converts a field goal, um, but from that point on, 25 consecutive points for Michigan. 41 to 17 score, which is very much indicative of the dominance that was reflected in this. Penn State again, just to reiterate this, they had one possession, uh, or they they maxed out at nine plays on any possessions, and they did not have a single possession go for four minutes. Their longest possession on the day, which ended up resulting in that turnover on downs in the third quarter, uh, three minutes and 37 seconds. Meanwhile, Michigan, they had. Three possessions go at least six minutes, one of the which took almost 10 minutes off the clock, um, which helped them put the game away and ended up resulting in a three possession lead 34 to 17. Uh, but they were just all over the football today. I'm doing the math here. Five different Michigan drives featured at least 11 plays. Again, Penn State maxed out on any single possession with nine plays Uh, you look across the board here. They did not pick up a first down through the air did Penn state until the third quarter. Daniel Sean Clifford finished seven of 19 passing 120 yards. That's a 37% completion clip. Um, We saw him look to the right side of the field on a crucial fourth down Penn state trailing by seven about halfway through the third quarter Um, would have been looking at about a 57 58 yard field goal. Uh, I think it was fourth and five uh, and just, Way too far uh, beyond the, the hands of the outstretched um, Parker Washington, who, who really tried to, to make an effort to pull that one in. The ball wasn't there. Um, we did see Drew Aller end of the game. But before we get to that, here's what else happened in offense. Because what is what reviewed Clifford's stats? Nick Singleton, six carries for 19 yards. Uh, Kay Allen, six carries for 16 yards. He had a one-yard touchdown run that followed Sean Clifford's 62-yard uh, run uh, back in the second quarter. It's weird to say that one. And then Kevon Lee contributed one carry, for six yards. So out of your running back group in this game, you got 41 total yards on 13 carries. Penn State gave up one sack today. Uh Sean Clifford was sacked seven times last season in this matchup. Um James Franklin after the game was, was upset about not being able to run the football. But I'll just state that again. They gave running backs 13 carries over the course of this game, and Sean Clifford attempted 19 passes. So they didn't have the ball very often, and when they did, it was either stagnant or disjointed. And, again, Mike Yersich, it's year two. You've got the continuity at quarterback. He's 24 years old. you got one touchdown to show for it in consecutive years coming out of a bye week. And, again, I- I've been saying this since January of 2021, James Franklin and making that move to dump Kirk Soraka Sir- and bring in Mike Yersich and everything that's played out since then, there's a lot of eggs in this basket and there's Drew Aller now is the X factor in the whole conversation. And is kind of dominating the whole conversation now, but Mike Yersich through this stage in big moments in adverse moments. Um, unfortunately, it just not has not happened for Penn state um, overall. There's, there's been a couple of really strong efforts against Auburn for this offense. I'll give them credit there. Um, but man, in some of these big 10 matchups, uh, it has been really difficult uh, to watch this offense go to work. And we thought maybe they'd had that balance And today just escaped them.
1: Yeah, the the offense today was just very, very tough to watch from the jump. Um, And especially the the contrast of it was just so stark. Um, You you look at the drives where uh, Michigan 11 plays, Penn State three and out. Michigan 13 plays, Penn State three and out. Uh, Michigan 13 plays, Penn State seven plays 62 but there's a 62 yarder in there and it took him until fourth down uh to get it in to the end zone after getting the ball at the four yard line um so i think that the struggles today were just really magnified by what michigan was able to do in terms of controlling the tempo uh, of the game controlling the ball uh, controlling the pace um and i think part of it is that just like lack of plays. Uh, Penn State had 51 plays, um, but at the same time, they they weren't really doing anything um, with those plays. You looked at halftime, they had one first down, um, and that came on on Clifford's really long run, which was a, a really great play by him, keeping the ball, making one guy miss, and then he had daylight, um, but when you have the same number of first downs as offensive touchdowns at halftime, and you're still in the game, it just it just made for... A really weird uh really unique situation um and i don't it's just really hard to see where you go from here uh with the offense like what is the solution um we saw drew aller in there at the end um james franklin said that sean clifford left because he was hurt um on the fox broadcast uh, they said it's an apparent shoulder injury um obviously james franklin didn't give us uh (laughs) any any additional detail there so that's going to be something to watch but you know, when Drew Aller came in, you know they were down by three scores uh, in the fourth quarter. Um, things are already things had already been dire for a while, um, and and you're looking for a spark, and it was just kind of a you know putting a young player in a, a tough place to succeed, um, even though he can bring something to you there. Um, it's just kind of hard to see because you looked at guys like Nick Singleton as being someone who could potentially you know be a game breaker. That the guy in this type of game. That you know can possibly give you a lift um we saw harrison wallace get loose for you know a nice 48 yard catch on the deep ball um but that and clifford's 62 uh, yard run were just really the only explosive plays um they have the athletes you know we've seen some of these guys do it before um we've seen keandre lambert smith uh who played today um, after his status seemed a little bit up in the air we've seen him you know be able to stretch the field we've even seen Catron allen make some explosive plays, but um, Parker Washington, but Penn state just got none of that today. And I think that that's, that's kind of, you know, outside of the running game, um, which just kind of never really had a chance today based on how the game went, um, especially with Michigan being able to to pull away. I think the thing that's most concerning and this came up with James Franklin is just, there's lack of explosive plays that there's not, there's not someone on the team where, you can be like, okay, you know, if we force the ball to them five times, maybe twice we'll get, we'll get a big play out of it. You know, maybe even three times we'll, we'll be able to get something big. Penn State just doesn't have, you know, someone who can be reliable like that. Um, and I think that it's really hampering the offense, um, that they don't have someone who whenever they're on the field, uh, the, the defense really has to take notice outside of Nick Singleton. Um, right now that's just what it feels like to me and i think that showed through today especially when you look at donovan edwards getting loose for a 67 yard run uh Blake Quorum running uh, running for 61 yards and a score um and you look at the other side and penn state's explosive plays are the quarterback on just kind of a you know really good read a good individual play but not something that's necessarily repeatable um and then on the other side a, a nice 48 yard uh Pass, but that's something that has been even more rare this year, it feels like. So I think that the running game obviously is going to, you know, take a, a lot of oxygen yet again. Um, you look at 13 carries for 41 yards for those three running backs, 3.15 yards per carry. That's never going to get it done. Um, but then there's just that, there's just those lack of explosive plays. Um, I think that that really, really looms uh, over this team as we move forward, especially when you look at uh, what, you know, in two weeks, what Ohio State is capable of doing. Um, yeah, it's explosive just, plays the, all over the field with them. And, yeah, and, like and that's the, the, the contrast is just there. <laughs> yeah, and we saw that play out last year.
0: Um, and, and last year, Jahan Dotson, even when this team was uh, at, in some really dark places over the course of the fall, he would have some remarkable plays, even in defeats. He went off against Maryland and, and kind of pushed them, uh, willed them to a win down there over the Terps. It, uh, but right now you're looking at this team and you take away that Sean Clifford run, the longest run that anybody had was nine yards from Nick Singleton. That sounds way too much like last year in terms of, of what you're doing at, on the ground. And then if, if, when you go beyond that 48 yard catch for Harrison Wallace, who you know, we're all looking to take another step at wide receiver and, and add some depth and, and maybe take over a starting role there potentially as the season goes through Beyond that, 16-yard gain for Mitchell Tinsley was the biggest play through the air. So that has been uh, not to this stark fashion, but – that has been something we talked about coming out of the bye week. Can you achieve that kind of balance? And it's you know, something we discussed going into this game that was different. Sean Clifford versus Michigan. Uh, you're getting this experience and you're getting this wealth of, of, uh, of pre-snap intelligence with Sean Clifford. Um, it was you know, a big part of the storyline here when you talk to the coaches and players. And then you look across the roster and you think, well, Sean Clifford didn't have these two freshman running backs with him last year um, and, and we've heard that this wide receiver room is the deepest that they've had in a while and that this tight end room is one of the best in the countries. So part of this is uh, we hear from the coaching staff that they have all these outstanding playmakers in every single one of these position rooms. And they're saying this guy's on the verge of blowing up. This guy's a play away. Um, and, and when you start to go for two or three game stretch and guys aren't taking turns at all and and, and very few players are making those kind of plays um, not only are you evaluating what's around you in, in the supplemental supporting cast, but you got to take a look at the trigger man because that's ultimately who is going to orchestrate everything on the offense. And there's a lot that we've said and, and that will be said about what this offense has done and what it has failed to accomplish under Mike Yursich. But the consistent theme along the way is that all 19 of those starts have been taken by Sean Clifford. And if that hits 17 on next Saturday night, whiteout game against Minnesota, that will be start number 40 for Sean Clifford. And I think there will be a large amount of the fan base. I'm not saying a majority yet, but there will be a large amount of this fan base that feels like they will be officially starting to waste opportunities to get Drew Aller involved if Sean Clifford is not only starting against Minnesota, but handling those duties for the duration of matchups moving ahead. And that's the question that's going to come up injury or not with Sean Clifford coming out of this game because of the performance, because of what the offense did not achieve. That's going to be a part of the conversation because if you want to tell us a lot of what Sean Clifford does is beyond the box score. We got to see that play out. And it was not evident today against the very talented Michigan defense. But again, a guy who's played against this Wolverine squad on four different occasions. I just didn't see the command um, from Sean Clifford. It, you know, Going down 13-0 before you can run your fifth offensive player or whatever isn't ideal. But there's a reason you're rolling with this guy in this setting if you're the Penn State staff, and that's because he's the stabilizing force and, and the one who can be your spearhead uh, in adverse conditions. And outside of a five-minute span, that was a big part of it was the defense coming up with the play and coming up with a touchdown in its own right there was never a, a portion of this game where you felt like Sean Clifford uh, was going to get the offense in motion enough uh, where they could counter whatever Michigan was going to send their way. It felt like the defense needed to figure out a solution and stop the run if you were going to give uh, Penn State an opportunity. You could not win a shootout today. You could maybe win scoring 25 or 27 points, uh, but ultimately just another underwhelming thud of a her performance here uh and and they're starting to stack up in, in in these situations um in a way that really makes you wonder if Penn State for the second half of their season doesn't need to explore new ways to attack defenses and that includes using your shiny new toy at quarterback whether that be for 3 4 5 series or whether you take an even longer look at him
1: there's so much talk about Sean Clifford's intangibles and it's this is what he brings from a leadership perspective that this is what he can do for you um, but that I mean the tangible product that we've gotten uh, these past couple of weeks, like you said, 39 starts worth um, you know we, we kind of know what the what the tangible product is and a lot of times in these big games that that tangible product is absent. Um, I think there was a moment today where I thought that, OK, this could turn into an intangibles game uh, when Clifford takes off for the 62 yard run, uh, set up the touchdown. Um, then on top of that, you have the, the weird pick six and Penn State is up 14 to 13. You kind of feel like, OK, this team's playing with house money, uh, more or less, that they kind of have they got the weird plays to go their way, which you kind of need to upset a top five team on the road. Something has to go your way and you can kind of think, OK, like they're going to win this game really weird and really ugly. And I think that that's where having this this six-year quarterback, having those mysterious intangibles, um, I think that that's kind of what you can chalk that up to, you know, keeping the team calm, keeping them together, keeping them in it so that when there are opportunities, like when the ball bounces off someone's helmet, you're there, you're able to take advantage. And that just did not bear out um, after that. Um, You know, Penn State was able to go up on that field goal by Jake Pinniger, but after that, there was just nothing sustained. And I think that, you know, you want to put, a lot of it does fall on Sean Clifford's shoulders. A lot of it definitely falls on the defense today where they just just didn't give the offense, uh, you know, enough opportunities. Not that the offense was doing too much when they got those chances. Um, But I think that, like you said, you know, we have to think a lot about uh, Drew Aller. Uh, We have to think about what can Penn State do that is different. Um, in order to to get some of these younger guys to get the guys that they think can be game changers um, involved, I think we've already seen it a little bit in the running game. I mean, Kevon Lee only had one carry um, this this week. He's been absent, you know, more or less absent, um, you know, a couple times the past few weeks. I think that we've seen kind of the the switch there. Um, even if they they like to put Kevon Lee in the same category as Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, um, so I'm curious to see if we see any other changes like that anywhere else on the roster, if we see any other young guys getting more opportunities, kind of moving up the depth chart, and that includes a quarterback. I mean, we sort of talked about it last week. Um, You know, do you give Drew Aller a a series in the second quarter? Do you let him see what he can do when a game isn't in doubt um, to see what he can do for the offense? And I kind of felt like that, you know, maybe there was an opening for that today. Um, you know, if you script that in, it, it's something different. Obviously, that didn't happen. We didn't see Aller until the fourth quarter. Um, and so, you know, I think that it's kind of pushing this again, uh, you know, another week. Okay, are we going to see him in a situation that matters where he can really exert uh, some influence over the outcome of a game?
0: Sean Clifford threw three Big Ten starts this season. Uh, season opener at Purdue, of course, orchestrated that game-winning drive in the final minute, uh, finished 20 of 37, 282 yards, four touchdowns, one pick, That's a 54% completion, nearly cost them the game with the pick six, but was able to lead that late drive. Uh, then before the bye, 10 of 20, 140 yards, one touchdown, one interception against Northwestern, and then coming out of the bye, 7 of 19, 120 yards, And you just get to the point, and, of course, the 62-yard run, uh, that that helps set up a touchdown. But you do get to the point where um, the results are what the results are. This is 40 games of a quarterback playing for your program, um, and you start to wonder, could the results look a little bit different? Uh, and, And there's a lot to shoulder across the way here, but Sean Clifford, because of how this position works out, because of the way he carries himself, because of the things he says about what he thinks he can accomplish and what he thinks this program can accomplish, much like I said about James Franklin, Sean Clifford takes ownership of a lot with Penn State, and and he takes ownership of it when they win. They've done that five times to this point, and he's got to take ownership of it once again when they lose, and he plays this way, and the offense performs in the way it does. Because another thing about Sean Clifford we've talked about is it's not just what he's doing. The offense is supposed to benefit from having him out there and being this steady kind of hand out there, and that's a a reason that would dissuade you from putting an 18-, 19-year-old freshman quarterback into that spot right now the offense does not look steady. And right now the offense does not look consistent. And those are supposed to be two hallmarks of an offense that are that is led by a six-year senior quarterback. And I think that's the most alarming part, especially when you pair that with the continuity that he is sharing with Mike Yurcich, the offensive coordinator, We have a lot to get into on Monday. By then we'll have a chance to to, to go through a lot, uh, sort through some of this, uh, and come back and hopefully bring Mark Brennan back on board, who is with you there at Michigan Stadium, to break it down in in greater detail. But when James Franklin's talking about needing to get bigger and needing to recruit better in the immediate aftermath of a game, it it says something about it the way it's going to sting. And I know that they don't want it to linger beyond tonight, but there's serious questions about Penn State because – whatever Minnesota is bringing to town at quarterback and otherwise, you've got to be able to bridge this gap between Michigan and Ohio state. If you don't, you put yourself in a really scary situation and you start to really think about the spiral that took place last year. There are different factors. There are different dynamics this time around, but Daniel, this week takes on a whole different, whole different, uh, I guess, light when it's not just the narrow loss coming out of Michigan that you can hold your head up high and say, Hey, we played like a top 10 team. You come back with a lot of questions about yourself and a lot of external noise downing this program. So, Daniel, before we let you go, uh, handle what you need to handle. What is going to be your biggest takeaway that you're kind of chewing on between now and and when you get back to town uh, on Sunday?
1: I mean, I'm just going to be thinking about just how they got flat out beat. Um, I didn't pick them to win. Uh, I did pick them to cover because I felt that that touchdown number was pretty big. But I just did not expect them to get beat the way that they did. And I didn't, I really didn't expect there to, even if in a loss, that there's just no bright spots, really. There's really no one when you look at the game to be like, okay, he had a good game. I mean, Jair Brown got off to the great start, but that's because other things were going wrong. That's why he was in, that's why his stats were up. And then um, I don't think he had a tackle after early in the second quarter. You know, you look at the running backs, the wide receivers quarterback um tight ends were you know once again pretty non-existent um in a big spot uh where i think they could have been useful um i was just not expecting penn state to come in and get just dominated um like they were today um it was pretty much from the jump with those drives i thought that there would be something that there would be they'd be able to get a turnover that someone on defense would come up with a sack um but they were just never never in a position um, to make, and they, they were in position sometimes, but they were just never able to capitalize on that. So I think that that's the biggest thing that is going to sit with me, um, about how I just did not expect this team to get beat like this. Um, you know, I, I think it, I thought that it was still, you know, a flawed team at five and I thought that there were some questions about the quarterback, um, a couple questions here and there, you know, about the line, about the running game. Um, I kind of thought the Northwestern game would be the the anomaly, um, of the season. Um, but it's just, I, it was just ugly. <laughs> um, it was, it was some bad football. Um, and I think on the flip side of that, um, I'm definitely going to have to reconsider, you know, kind of my, my thoughts on Michigan. Um, you know, that schedule was, they obviously played three of the worst teams in the country to start the year. Um, but I. And we'll see how Penn State, how this win over Penn State ages. Um, But I think that Michigan, you can kind of see what they're doing. Um, I think that at times it can seem a little counterintuitive to kind of try to play that bully ball, that big boy football. Um, But every once in a while, you know, I think with the way that college football is going, uh, you can run into a couple teams that just aren't built uh, to withstand that. So I think it's kind of the, the both sides of it coming out for me is just, Michigan, better than I thought they were. Uh, Penn State played a lot worse than I thought they were capable of.
0: You talked about bully ball, getting bullied, and that's what happened today to a team that entered this week unbeaten and a similar dynamic here setting up a 5-0 and Penn State squad going on the road to play a top five Big Ten opponent, picking up that first loss and then entering the uh, another week wondering what the status is about that starting quarterback in Sean Clifford. We'll be tracking that, again, on the television broadcast today. They did mention that it appeared to be a right shoulder issue, something that we'll be monitoring. Drew Aller, regardless of Sean Clifford's availability, is, is someone who is going to be asked about over the course of these next six, seven days, leading into the whiteout matchup. And 5-1 um, and one Penn State uh, will be back on Monday to talk about them what's next and what else we, that stood out from Saturday's debacle at the big house on behalf of Daniel Gowan, who's out there at Michigan stadium and our producer, Lance Glenn. I'm Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you real soon, right here on the Lions 24 seven podcast.